0: This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Alexander City, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. You know, started serving God and God called me in uh, 1971, been in ministry since 1971, Uh, that's a year or two, and uh, you know, after a while you learn a few things, you know, just like Denise and I celebrating 50 years, uh, there's some things I know about her, and she only knows good things about me, (laughs) because that's all there is, but uh, you learn something about uh, people, don't you? when you walk with them. You know, when Jesus called the disciples, um, he says, you know, it says, follow me. Literally, what he said was, come walk with me. Come walk with me. And that's still the invitation of Jesus Mm -hmm. to everyone. Whether we know him or not, whether we're, Living for God or living in sin, uh, no matter where we are in life. The Bible says, Jesus said, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. He's knocking on the door of all of our lives and He is saying, come on, let's go for a walk. Uh, And back in those days in that society, uh, and I've had the privilege of ministering and some of the societies like that, and here's what I can tell you. It's totally different from our concept of, of time and relationship and what really matters. We focus a lot on material things, on, on our uh, careers, our jobs, or our money, and whatever. And uh, to them, in those type of societies, uh, your primary thing is relationship. Uh, uh, You know, like for instance, I can tell you, uh, a guy told me, he said, I'll pick you up, uh, a native, a national guy said, I'll pick you up at 10 o'clock tomorrow. I said, okay. So I'm waiting outside 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. Finally, that afternoon, he comes up and he says, You ready? I said, Well, I was. (laughs) And he said, What do you mean? I said, You told me 10 o'clock. He said, yeah, but he said, I met a friend on the way. And we had to spend time together. And he did not offer an apology because to him, there was nothing wrong with that. To even offer an apology would be wrong because actually, he was keeping a priority. Uh, And so I, I had to learn to live on a different time Thing and realize that what's important, uh, And they told me they said, "You need to take your watch off because we don't go by a watch. <laughs> you know? uh, and, uh, <clears throat> but when Jesus called the disciples, he said, "Come walk with me." And literally, what was important back then and that journey was not where you were going as much as who you were going there with. So he was saying, "Come, let's go for a walk together. And that's the invitation of Jesus to all of us, to come for a walk with Him, come for a journey. And really Christianity is a journey, isn't it? It's a journey from where we are whenever we connect, where our lives intersect with Him. However you want to phrase it, I found the Lord, He found me, I got saved. Uh, I found God. I don't remember, you know, uh, when I got saved. I'd come out of a drug culture, and and uh, you know, I told everybody, and I was off the streets, and I said, "Hey, I I met God," and they said, "Man, what'd you take?" And uh, you know, and I didn't understand the term "saved," but man, it has been a journey since that time up until this time. And it's a journey of discovery, isn't it? It's a journey that we begin to discover every day, every uh, situation, everything we go through, good or bad. It's a journey of discovery where I'm discovering God and I'm discovering who I am in Him. I'm meeting Steve Vickers and God as I go on this journey because I'm finding out who I really am as He has made me and what His love and His Spirit can conform me into and who He is forming me into. And it actually begins to give me pictures of what it's going to be like in heaven because I begin to see some of the realities that Jesus talked about. We start out learning we start out at a you know at a as a baby in Christ and we grow and we develop on this journey and there's a process that God wants us to go through there's a progression that God actually desires for us to go through i've been in this thing as i said i've been in ministry since 1971 and and God doesn't want me here I'll be 70 in a couple of months. At my age, I was 24 when I met Him. God doesn't want me, at my age, to still be where I was in my concept of God, in my relationship with God, in my walk with God, in my journey, to still be where I was when we first met. He really wants us to be going somewhere. We go together. But we actually determine how fast we move along. And there's a progression, a growth, a development, a maturing that God wants us to go through in, in a moving from what the Bible talks from faith to faith. In another place it calls it from glory to glory. From one level of the God that I know to another level of knowing who God is, and who I am in Him. Let me read something to you about a journey. Someone who Jesus intersected on their journey. And what happened is Jesus traveled through Galilee, came to Cana. There you go where he turned the water into wine, there was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. I wonder why he did that. Probably because he was hearing Jesus doing things, wasn't he? That's why we need to be telling opening our mouth, and don't be afraid to tell what God is doing in your life. You know, you don't have to call somebody and preach them and say, now if you have your Bibles with you, open to John 3.16. No, just begin to brag on what Jesus is doing in your life. Talk about your Father as though you know Him. Just do that. Let it be natural in your life. You know, when I get around people that are just as, you know, I mean, very crude and talk like the world, live like the world, you know, I don't immediately fold into them. I just, I'm on a journey and I bring the one I'm with on that journey right there with them. And I just talk as though I was talking with him. And you know what? Here's what I found. Some are going to hate me, some are going to respect me, some are going to receive. You know, but everybody knows where I stand. And I also leave there feeling good because I talked, I bragged about what God is doing and He heard about Jesus and Jesus asked, wait, back up just a second to the verse before. We can't go backwards, right? When he heard of Jesus, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. That sounds reasonable, doesn't it? Yeah. If you were in his, in his place and your son or child was about to die, a loved one, and you, wouldn't you uh, feel right about asking him to come and heal your son? I, you, I mean, the things I've heard about you, I want you to come help me. I'm telling you, we need to be talking about what Jesus is doing so that people in Alex City and around this region that they will begin to say to God to Jesus, "I need you to come help me." Because everybody at some time needs God. Amen. Well let's uh, go to the next one. Now boy, this is quite a statement here. Jesus asks, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? It's almost as if Jesus is agitated and didn't want the man to ask that. So he says, what is it going to take? Now, is Jesus telling us He doesn't want to perform miracles and signs and wonders? He doesn't want to heal our sick? He doesn't want to help us out in our time of need? No. Now, listen very carefully. No matter how many experiences you have in God that are wonderful, you can say, oh, He did this, He did that. And all in the midst of that, Jesus is after, God is after something, one thing happening. And that in, is in your heart, you settle it. You are my God. You are my God. And you've proven yourself to me. But I want you to know this no matter what happens in the future, whether you ever prove yourself again, or whether you never answer another prayer, you never bless me again, I want you to know this. You are my God. You've proven yourself to me, and I don't believe in you just because you can do some things. Just because you can answer some prayers, I believe in you because you are God. Now listen, when God created Adam in the garden, when He put man in... Adam and Eve in the garden. God was after one thing and one thing only. You know, He told them, "Don't eat of the tree of the uh, uh, the knowledge of good and evil." In a way, He could have said, "Don't walk over that. Don't step over that stick. Don't pick up that rock and throw it." It was could have been anything. The issue God was after is that Adam and Eve settled it in their hearts. That God was not so familiar, and God was not just someone that provided for them, but He was actually their Father. He was their God. And their heart commitment was to Him as God. I believe in you as God. No telling what could have happened if when Eve ate the fruit and sinned, Because of deception, if Adam had simply said, God, you see what's happened. But my heart is, my faith is in you. I believe you. You're going to fix this. I believe God would have fixed it. Because God did later at the cross anyway. So Jesus said, will you never believe? Now listen, God wants to do great things in your life. God wants to prove Himself. God doesn't want you just to believe in Him, that He is God, and Him never make Himself real. He does, and He will. He takes joy in proving Himself to us. But what God wants out of us is that no matter what, we drive a stake in the ground, of our spiritual ground, and we say, this is settled in my life. This is settled in my life. I believe in you. You are my God. No matter what happens, you are my God. You know, as a pastor, I pastored for 35 years, a local church, and the most discouraging, disappointing thing in all of that I mean, we buried people. That's hard. We had to see couples get divorced that were madly in love with each other, we married them and they were having good marriages and serving God, that hurts. We saw families lose loved ones. That hurts deeply. Parents that buried a child. How horrible, how wrong it seems. When my oldest brother died, my mother would stand at the kitchen sink and, all of a sudden, she'd stop and just grab the sink, and tears would begin to dro- fall off of her chin. And I'd go over and hug her, and I'd say, Mama. And she'd say, A mother should never bury her son. And she grieved till the day she died. But the things that hurt the most were to see people who came in and gave their hearts to Jesus and started serving Him and saw God do wonderful things in their lives. And they would pray and God would answer prayer and they were on fire and they'd be willing. They would open their mouth and tell others about what Jesus is doing. But suddenly when it seemed the faucet was turned off, when the prayers weren't answered as quick, when things didn't happen just the way they had wanted them to, to see them turn and walk away from God and say, I don't want Him in my life. I don't believe Him anymore. That was the most hurtful thing I went through as a pastor. It broke my heart. And I know it broke the heart of God. What is Jesus saying here? Will you never believe in me? What He's saying is this. Let me, not to put words in His mouth, but I know His Word enough to say. This is what he's saying. It is my joy. It is my pleasure to be able to bless you, to answer the cries of your heart. Before you even ask me, I already have a plan in place for your deliverance, for your blessing, for your provision. I long to do those things. It is my joy as your Father to do it. But here's what I want from you. Here's what I want, that it is settled in the depth of your being, settled in your heart, that I am your God, and that nothing will ever shake that out of you. No trouble, no trial, no problem, no difficulty, no pain, no disappointment, nothing will ever drive a wedge between you and I, that it is settled. I am your God, I am your Father, and you are my child. Paul was in the middle, thrown into the belly of the boat. He was in chains down in the, the hold of the ship. And I've been in the Navy and know what's down there. It's not where you want to be. They had him in chains down there and the ship was sinking. And they had thrown all the things overboard and... Trying to salvage the boat and still that it looked like the boat was going to sink and they were all going to lose their lives. And somebody said, Go get that preacher. (laughs) It's amazing how people, when everything goes wrong, they can remember. What's that preacher's name? Over there on Highway 63. What's his name? Bruce? What? Go get that preacher. And they brought Paul up out of the hole of the ship stinking of dead fish and putre- uh, old salt water and- that had putrefied. Or- they brought him up in chains and he's standing there before them. And he said, Brothers, do not fear. Now listen to what he said. Boy, if we can get a hold of this, how we can impact lives around us. He said, for I belong to God. You know, while Paul was down there having been beaten unjustly, thrown in prison unjustly, was being transferred to prison unjustly in the hold of a ship with chains around him, that he never lost his faith in God. He said, don't fear, for I belong to God. I'm telling you. You know, there's a scripture that says God will deliver the people you pray for. Because of the cleanness of your hands. Even if their hands are unclean. Let me just tell you something. See, because if you have settled it, that you belong to God, that you're His. Not because He's done all these things. Yes, He's done them. But because it's settled in your heart. Then I'm telling you, you can be out on the job or out Wherever you can be shopping in the grocery store and hear some lady talking about the doctors have told me there's no hope. my husband is dying. You can be a spiritual eavesdropper and walk over and say, "I heard you talking to the other lady." and I don't mean to inter- intrude but you see, I belong to God. And I just want you to know, I'm praying for your husband. Everything's going to be all right. Jesus said, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Listen, and I want to wrap up here real quickly. The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him. The official prayed, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Here we see faith struggling. Faith is struggling. Every one of you have been there. Or some of you are there right now where your faith is struggling about something. Lord, please, I need you desperately. Please, God. Now, I promise you, that's okay to be there because if you have settled it in your heart that He's your God, the faith that is struggling in you will produce fruit. Let's read on. The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home, your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said. When your faith is at a place where it's struggling in God, and you're saying, Lord, please, I need you. But you're wondering how in the world. Sometimes it seems like you're grasping at straws. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's almost like you're hoping against hope. Your faith is struggling in something else. It may be strong, no problem, but for some reason right here, I'm struggling with this. Let your petition be made known to God. Don't deny, don't doubt your faith. A faith that struggles is still faith that will produce. Because it's not the strength of your faith that matters, it's the strength of the God that your struggling faith is in that matters. And with struggling faith, the man said, Please help me, my son is dying. Jesus said, Go home, your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said. I'm telling you, if you keep that struggling faith there before God long enough, you're going to hear something inside your spirit because of what we were talking about earlier. You've already settled it in your heart. I belong to God. You're His child and His children hear His not hear and know His voice. Somewhere in that struggle a word of comfort, of assurance will come. I'm telling you, I know I've been there. A while back we were, uh, we had a number of properties that we had to sell, wanted to sell. And the reason we wanted to sell them because it became very obvious that it was time to sell them all. They had, uh, all of them had become vacated. I could have refilled them. But as they did, I just had something inside me. And my knower said, don't put any more in. Don't get any more tenants. And so after a while, I'm sitting here with all these properties. No tenants, but all the uh, responsibilities financially and everything you have to do. And so I knew, I told Denise, I said, the Lord, He's changing what we're doing. And so... We put them on the market. And nothing happened. Well, I'm still having money going out and no money coming in. And they're draining the money out, just taking the money. And I kept saying, God, please help me. Lord, please help me. And as the money was going out and I was looking at it, I was kind of getting concerned and I began to struggle. and say, Lord you got to help me out here. Do you see what's happening? I can tell you right now, how many days? As if he didn't know. But just in case he didn't, I wanted to make sure in case he was busy with your problem. I wanted his attention over here. Hey! And so I was telling him all this and man, my faith was struggling. And then all of a sudden, the Lord told me. He said, "Now you'd think I'd know this." He said, "I want you and Denise to begin to pray together regarding this every morning, first thing." So every morning, when I'd have my, I usually have my devotion time. You know, I'm doing all that, and what I'd do is I'd go right in there. Okay, we're going to pray, and I told her hey, we're going to pray, and we prayed a, a, a kind of a simple little prayer, but we joined together as soon as you see he spoke. And I believed what he said. Yeah. <coughs> My faith went from struggling to resting. Because no longer was I struggling, God, you, somebody help me to suddenly, yes, sir, I'll do that. Yes. You with me? Yeah. And Denise and I started doing it. And I'm telling you, we did it for what? Maybe a month, mm-hmm. if that long. We did it for a few weeks. And guys, I can't tell you how quickly, suddenly, everything began to happen. It was almost as if they had been standing in line and somebody opened the door. You know, like in a, a store where uh, they got a sale going on. And, and as soon as you open the door, everybody rushes in. I mean, like that, every property began to sell. Even our, a commercial building sold. And no time at all. Everything sold. And actually I stood in the I told Denise, I said, We're standing in the midst of a miracle. This is overwhelming. We didn't it was phenomenal. Let's move along here. And the man believed what Jesus said. While the man was on his way home, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. Yeah, like the agent, real estate agent. When, uh, met me and said, "Hey, we got a contract." I said, "Great." Which one? She said, "Well, pick one." Yeah. She said, "We're getting contracts like crazy." I said, "Great." Uh, he with the news that his son was alive and well. Next one, he asked them when the boy had begun to get better. They replied, "See, some of y'all are waiting on something." Yesterday, everybody shout yesterday. Yesterday Yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Next verse. Then the father realized, see he's gone from faith struggling, faith resting, to where all of a sudden faith knows. Faith knows. And you see, listen, God wants to bring all of us on that journey in different areas of our life. There'll be things that we'll face that we'll struggle with our faith that all of a sudden we'll get a, like a, 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 just something inside us, a sense that, you know, kind of a, an urging or a, a little sensation or something that seems to tell us something. And then we will say, okay, I believe that and I'm going to go with it. And you do that and you rest in it and you have confidence in it Then all of a sudden what you've been believing, you find out, man, it's already been happening. See, a lot of the things you're wanting, it's not going to happen. They are happening. We just got to wake up to it. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. Actually, that's the verse we should have started with and I could have just said this and instead all the other. See, what was God after? What was God after? He was after not only that man, his faith becoming Strong and triumphant and more secure Mm -hmm. and more established. God's still after the lost sheep that He said, I'll leave the 99 and I'll go find that one that is over there struggling that is far from me. Sheep Passion Church is not here to make you better Christians. Passion Church here is to reach all of those who are away from God around this place. And in the process, you will become better Christians. Because you don't grow as you sit, you grow as you go. Because what was He doing? As he went, do do you see the destination he was headed towards? Jesus said, Go back home. Why? What was at home? Not his bed. Not dinner was waiting. Yeah, all those things are there. But it wasn't that, his entire household. I'm telling you, my friend. God has one purpose and one purpose only. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus, the last thing He said, before he left this earth, he looked at those that were following, and he said, "Go into all the world. Go into the world. It means the word he used means your world. Go into your world. You don't have to get a ticket and go fly to somewhere else. Go into your world, where your world is. Go back to your household. Go into your world and declare with me. Show me to them. And that's what that guy did."